Welcome back to Legendary Mindset. This is your host, Jake P. Richardson. This week's episode is with Bob May, and Bob May is originally from California. He runs uh, the premier livestock shipping company in the country. So if you're a sheep or goat person, chances are you've had at least one encounter with a guy. But before we start, this episode is uncensored, which means there's no bleeps, no cuts, and no editing. So if you've got a little kid in the back seat, or if bad words offend you, you might just wait until the next episode. But if none of those things apply, I, I think you're really going to love it, honestly. But here is Bob May. This is Legendary Mindset with Jake P. Heck, where the main is, was about this big and it tipped over to one side just... Ask Nance. And a great donkey. I mean, he was, but he was here like five fucking weeks. And I, huh? Wasn't he? I mean, at least. Yeah, I hauled some Watusis from Arizona. What's a Watusi? The giant horn fucking, the giant, giant horn cattle. Not longhorn. Horns this big. They get eight feet. Well, I brought three cows, and they were here so, what? I'm going to start recording just so, just so we're just kind of starting the conversation. Okay. Watusis? The Watusis? Um, they were here so long that two of them had calves. And they were, I mean, they're not mean, but they're big. Mm-hmm. I mean, look them up sometimes. What, what do they use them for? It's like novelty? Just Yeah, they're a, they're a Middle Eastern calf mm-hmm. or cattle. And, but I mean, their horns are like seriously out of their heads, eight inches, and then they're giant. They're mm-hmm. not, they're like long horns on way steroids. Mm-hmm. And so we got these cows and people would stop by. Cause you know, you can kind of see in my backyard and mm-hmm. here's the lady with the Watusi. They were here a long goddamn time. Some rich oil guy from Eastern Texas kept calling. He goes, well, my guy's a little bit old. Mm-hmm. Well, when the guy showed up, motherfucker was 105. <laughs> <laughs> a little old. Well, well, whatever. He was old as fuck. He looked 105. Well, he's probably my age. Well, I know I'm old as fuck too. I turned 65. I'm not that old. Oh, well, that qualifies me. But anyway, how do you even fit that many with horns that big in a stock trailer without them just tearing it up? Well, when we got when we got those from the guy, there was one that had that had seven foot eight inch horns, a steer, and. I backed up to his gate, and he stood there and held him forward, and he opened his whole gate, and he goes, no, your slider will be fine, and I opened the slide gate, and that steer walked up and turned his head, stuck one horn in, turned his head, and got in, and they all followed suit, so I had five of them in a 10-foot hole, because they're not very big-bodied. Mm-hmm. They're, they're tall and skinny, you know, desert cattle. Yeah. Huge horns, though, but that steer turned his head in, and he had a nose ring, and he was tame. And this guy, they rode him, they saddle rode him and everything. So this cattleman in uh, Ohio bought him. So I'm out there scratching his head one day, and, the, and he swings his head just because he's happy. Fucking knocks me from here to Nancy because <laughs> the horn came around. I mean, he didn't, wasn't, he wasn't mean. Yeah. But just because he was happy, I was scratching his head, and that horn just whacked me in the shoulder Fucking launched me. He was a big bastard. So they're dangerous as friendly animals. I wonder what they're like as crazy animals. Oh, I don't. Could you? Did you ever save the pictures? Oh yeah. 
We'll find a picture at some point. You can show it to him. Did you I mean, say he had a saddle on him? Huh? He was saddling him? Like riding He was saddle broke, yeah. Really? Yeah, and he had seven foot, eight inch horns. So, I mean, from me to you. Holy smokes. And big, 16, 1700 pounds. A steer. Mm-hmm. But they, he was like an eight year old steer. Jeez. So they just bought him like, a, you know how they have longhorns for lead steers? Mm-hmm. Like parades and stuff? Huh? He was with the same group, but we might, well, but I hauled him off. I got you. You had the Watusis here for months. How often do you haul like exotic stuff? Anything besides show stock basically or, or commercial livestock? Very Every often. trip. Every trip? Something. I mean, this trip I had uh, five yearling, yearling used Scottish blackface. Mm-hmm. So they're super woolly. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not the, um, there's two kinds, and I don't know the difference. These are bigger, mm-hmm. and they have horns, mm-hmm. and they're pretty skittish. But so, I mean, besides our standard show stock, mm-hmm. yeah, every trip there's something. What's the biggest exotic animal you ever hauled? Uh, water buffalo. Really? And then bison. I hauled uh, 14. I hauled 20 bison for the Lakota Nation. It was a spiritual herd that was in Lake California, or Clear Lake, California, mm-hmm. Lakeport, and I hauled them to Southern Ohio. And when we went to get them, this hippie lady took care of them. And all the, they had panels with, uh, you, you, when you went there, you put a dollar bill and your name, and then you prayed. And they had these Indian pray sticks, and they didn't have much for facilities. So mm-hmm. there were 14 white ones. So it was a white buffalo herd, which are fairly rare. Yeah. And then there was. And then there were six brown ones. There were six bulls, and they were in individual pins that had 14-foot-high tin each pin. And then they drove down a lane to feed them. And it was just, I mean, like it wouldn't hold billy goats. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we got to figure out how to load them. And I had gone over. I made a trip over because I charged them accordingly. I knew it was going to take two trailers, two trucks, you know, five guys Mm -hmm. total because we traded drivers. And... uh, and we get over there to load them, and she goes, well, these, these two, yeah, these two are uh, uh, brothers, these bulls. These were big, mature buffalo bulls, and she said they should get along. We loaded the 14 cows and calves, then we went to load the six bulls. Six and a half hours later, with a panel on the front of a 1984 Chevy, we put a panel on a 12-foot panel and just tried to shove them towards the trailer, and they were just fighting each other. We got videos of it. I mean, it took us six and a half hours to load those bastards. And once we loaded them, we only opened the top windows, and I had brought cables and extra chains so that they couldn't open the, mm-hmm. you know, my, I've got three, two, two splitter gates in the middle. So I, we chained everything, and I had put... I had put one-inch boards up on my escape doors to water them. Well, we never stopped from when we left there till we got to Southern Ohio. We never opened a door. And they, they didn't move around much, but, but they were a bitch to load. And when we got back there to Southern Ohio, there was a barn that was made in 1830, rock walls, hand-hewn logs, four pins like for your, your working horses, mm-hmm with no gates on them and she wanted us to unload the bu- the bulls in there and keep them in there well so we told these hippies that were there 
We said, here's the deal. Go get some sheets, blankets out of your house, whatever. And we covered them all except for the, and we put hay in. And we backed up, and all we had were panels. So if this doesn't work, they're leaving southern Ohio. Mm -hmm. We unload them, and we just kind of let them wander in. Close the, they had gates, but they had five-foot tractor supply, little shitty gates mm -hmm. that any animal could get through. And we closed them, and we put sheets over them so they couldn't see each other. So we get the bulls out. That's one trailer. This field, we're, I told the hippies when we got there, um, or whatever they were. I mean, they were hippies. You can call them hippies. They were hippies. Um, they were they were not cattlemen mm -hmm. and or buffalo men. Yeah. And uh, I so there were holes in the fence. So I told them, I told them to fix this. Um, I told them to fix this um, as quickly as possible, mm -hmm. and uh, I got a. Um, we pull up, we unload the 14. I told the kid that was in charge, you go get my check. I got my check. All the cat, we put hay out. So the bull, the, the, the cows and calves were eating. The bulls were still in this barn and they had bought some, uh, a buffalo corral from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Apparently it's like a, a con, you know, they have a group that puts money together. Well, anyways, I get a call from the lady. Thank you very much later that afternoon. We're about two hours away. I get a call about four hours later and said, two of the bulls got out. They fought through the fences, and we haven't seen one of them. And she did not contact me. Just being polite, it wasn't us. I mean, we put yeah, them. I, told, were, I called her when I got there. I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. You'll be lucky if any of these buffalo are here tomorrow morning. But I'm <laughs> unloading them because I did what I, I came to the address that you told me. I'm not. This is not funny. Yeah. While we're there in, in Lake California, uh, there was a, a very dark Indian uh, medicine woman. Mm -hmm. I don't believe she was a Lakota. I believe she was from somewhere. Um, nice lady. She had a, a little bucket of water and an abalone shell with sage and some stuff in it burning. And she was, had, a, had a, like a hawk feather, mm -hmm. a hawk wing. And she blessed the truck and blessed the trailer and... Bless the guys, and then I'm doing paperwork because my partner, Mike, who I've worked with since we were teenagers, knew I was getting madder and madder because mm -hmm. he knows me. So I'm sitting there doing paperwork, and she walks up to my window and goes, with this burning, this puff of burning sage. And I'm, I can't catch my breath. I'm coughing so bad. So, yeah. Yeah, so we got out. We got It all got done, but... Once we got the cows loaded, Mike said, you go down to the park. There's a little park down the, about a mile from me. He said, just take care of the cows in the shade. And they loaded the bull. So I wasn't there, but they took videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, that was one of the most weird experiences. I've heard those buffalo can jump like 12-foot fences if they wanted to, like flat-foot scale it. They can run. They can run it right. I think they can run 34 miles an hour, and That's they can fun. flat jump a fence. Jump, like bing. And they don't look like it because their bodies are so weird shaped. But we built, now this is off the subject, but I built fence also. And we built seven miles of fence for one of the wealthy guys in my county. And we were just splitting a, a ridge. And then their headquarters were here. And we built seven miles of fence and we put nine strands of barbed wire and we made it six foot tall. And there was a corner, the main gate, 
And as we were finished, literally finishing up, just the finishing touches on the weld, and here come the buffalo off this ridge, and there's like an acre of swampy mm -hmm. ground. They go right through it, just trotting right past us. Here's the corner. Dang. Went into the neighbor's. Seven miles of fence. Just, I mean, jump, never touched hair. And it was six foot tall. Yeah. And they just, they came off that ridge, and you just sort of back up from them. They're not, they're, they're tame-ish. Ne they're never tame. Yeah. Except for maybe if you bottle feed one to ride. But they just jumped, bang. So like we called hair. Ben and said, hey, Buffalo are on the neighbors. They said they jumped the fence. He goes, well, we'll figure it out. So, yes, they can jump. Jeez. They're very still in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, yeah, they're very still. Damn. So, Bob, most people who are probably going to be listening to this know you from whether they had you haul an animal from the West Coast or, or, or up north or just, you know, across the country in general. And, and that's kind of how everybody knows you, Bob Mays, the, the California connection. Um, but let's kind of take a step backwards and, and jump into your early life. Um, Where did you grow up and, and, and what were you guys up to and you, your family and stuff when, when you were younger? And, and, and just kind of what was going on with Bob May back then? Well, I grew up in Redding, California. Mm -hmm. um, I was a displaced hippie from Carmel Valley when I was 13 um, in 1969. That's mm -hmm. considered the summer of love. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up where the hippies were, and then they moved my ass up to Northern California where all the little cowboys were. Mm -hmm. So that summer, between my eighth grade and freshman year, I became a long-haired little cowboy. Um, and then I grew up from there. I met Nancy, we moved to Red Bluff. I hauled hay. Mm -hmm. I had hay trucks when I was a teenager, and we, I did that professionally for a living until I was 27. Mm -hmm. So you met Nancy when you were a teenager? I met Nancy when I was 13. Really? How'd you guys meet? She lived four doors down, and I was uh, a fairly confident young guy, so I'd drive by, and there were her and her cousins. There were two cousins, two, co two sisters, two cousins, and I'd ride by and say, which one of you loves me? And they, she didn't like me. But, but so <laughs> he's an asshole. Yeah. yeah. He's an asshole. <laughs> he still is. How did he, how did he win you over? She worked at a gas station. I went in there about every other day no, and said, that wasn't it. no, I, no, that wasn't it. We went to, um, he was working on a pickup, a car, something at their house, came down to borrow my grandfather's acetylene tanks. And, and it was like the middle of the day and said, we're going to the drive-in tonight. You guys want to go to the drive-in? And it was him and, and a friend of his, Jim, and they were asking me and my sister if we wanted to go to the show, to the drive-in. And so we said, yeah, because there wasn't anything else going on. So we went to go. They came to pick us up, and he grabbed my arm and put me in on his side of the truck. Was that the rest is history. Yeah, there's the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All girls like the bad boys. <laughs> Seems like it. But so you just you were so you said you started trucking and did that to your hauling hay, hauling out hay. of the field before they had harrow bed, but it was all hand done back then. I mean mm -hmm. kids, and then I just we just kept doing it and we summers hauling hay. We'd go to the high desert up in far northern California and mm -hmm. haul hay all summer into September, and then we cut firewood. Yeah. Um, was livestock any part of your life at all, or were you guys not at all? Just I showed. When I was a teenager in Shasta County, everybody showed Durox. All of them were terrible. Mm -hmm. I had a reserve grand champion at the Shasta County Fair when I was a junior. That pig got lost for three weeks because it got out of the pen, and I was in the mountains hauling hay, and my, my stepfather couldn't find it. 
Three weeks. Three weeks. It was in the ditches, and it was a. It was like back then they were grade B dairies, mm -hmm. five to twenty acre little grade B dairies where we lived, and it was just running in the irrigation. I don't know. He found it. This is before the county fair. Oh yeah. That it got lost. Oh yeah. <laughs> before the county fair, there wasn't much style to this. I mean, one guy sold every kid Durox. Yeah. So they're all. And then we all went, and they're all wilder than shit, and you know we drank beer and. We didn't know. Mm -hmm. And then we'd go, you know, we'd go out and make our little attempt at showing. Mm -hmm. And then I judged on the high school livestock team, and then that was it. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to moving to Red Bluff because of the hay. Um, we had my son, Justin. Mm -hmm. uh, hay hauling got dinosaured by harrow beds. Mm -hmm. And so we started cutting commercial firewood and logging pine. And we did that for 26 years. What's a harrow bed? A machine that picks up hay out of the field. A harrow bed. Oh, okay. The red and yellow machines that... Oh, and just stacks it for you? That, yeah, that, it stacks it for you. Yeah. Gotcha. They did not have those when I was young. Um, the very first ones, the very first commercial ones were made. They did not, they all stacked the same way and they all fell over. I gotcha. And then a guy from just north of us in Etna, California, actually invented the Freeman stacking harrow bed. Wow. And then it was over for guys. We had 20-foot flatbeds. You all had 210 uh, two-wire bells, 143-wire bells. I mean, it's how I made a living until mm -hmm. I was 27. So but when that quit, it was just straight into just hauling logs or? Cutting firewood. Cutting firewood. Yeah, so. and we had, we had, I mean, we had, on the average for 26 years, we had 25 guys working. So we sent a lot of wood to the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of what most people the biggest year we had, we sent 7,300 cords of wood. Oh, my God. So 600 semi-lows. So you guys and would chop it, wrap it up, or wire it together and just sell it in little homestead packages or just no, no, no. quantities? Cords. Cords. Four by four by eight cords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Contracted from ranchers that were trying to thin oaks mm -hmm. up there in Northern California to make more grass. So you're basically a logger. A logger. Per, per se. That's right. Yeah. Well, we we logged. I mean, mm -hmm. we logged. We pine logged and we had a commercial firewood crew. So I did that until I was 49 or 50. Wow. So. So you had your son, Justin. Was was it always the idea we're going to show? Not like, at all. Not at all. He turned nine. We went, you know, he turned nine and probably said, let's show a pig. I called one of my high school buddies who raised pigs when we were in high school, bought two pigs, mm -hmm. went to the county. No connection from the time I got out of high school till then. I mean, I hunted hounds, mm -hmm. so I trained dogs. Uh, they would call you a quote-unquote bear hunter, mm -hmm. which I was not. I trained dogs, and I was very successful at it. And I'd, I'd get young dogs, and I actually hunted down bloodlines on dogs, cleared Alabama, where I, w where I was raised. Mm -hmm. And the guy that had the, the bloodline I wanted lived 12 miles from my grandpa. It's just a weird deal. because So I would go back there every year and buy one or two young dogs, and then I'd also have this guy, Jerry Bozeman, send them to me. Mm -hmm. So I trained dogs, and we were raising kids and little kids, and we went, took them hunting. I mean, we went a lot on the weekends. Her and the kids went a lot on the weekends, and we'd camp and catch bears. And and then he turned nine, and I called Jim. The guy's name was Jim and bought two pigs. We went to the county fair, and the first guy that ever judged that I watched was John Mendez. And we almost got sifted. Because the hogs were so fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that was there then were hamps, and they were terrible, mm -hmm. but they were way better than the pigs I bought from my buddy. So were show pigs a thing, or was it just some families could 
find better ones throughout the state. Well, no. When, it, when, when Justin Justin's 43, and when he started, there was Wagey and DeBoer. Mm-hmm. There, MJC raised some good hogs then. Um, and they may still. I don't know. I don't keep a connection with them. But, I mean, there was Wagey and Gunlin. Mm-hmm. And if and Gunlin and my son made a pretty special connection. We'd hear him late at night talking on the phone because there were no cell phones. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd ask him the next day, who are you talking to? Russell. And I don't know if you know anything about Russell Gunlin, but he was reasonably legendary for being a raging asshole. I mean, a raging asshole. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got arrested in his bank because he told him, give me all my fucking money or I'll blow the bank up. <laughs> he got arrested by the FBI, but he was a large farmer. I think he had 2,000 plus acres of grapes. Mm-hmm. And when you went there, he was the guy to buy pigs. At that time in the, in the nation, if, if you had a Yorkshire, it had gunland genetics, period, mm-hmm. period. Or it was not top-notch. He was a very good... He was so far ahead of everybody else at that time. He was trying to figure out how to raise the Yorks that he was raising with less hair on them because they were hairier. All pigs were hairier back then and leaner. Mm-hmm. And Russell was Russell, and he was good to my son. And then we met Jim Brim, mm-hmm. who ran Pinoch Farms. And then we just, but the second year we met a guy named Frank Faria, mm-hmm. who raised hogs. So there's four or five people, and Frank was very good to my son. And then Candy started showing. But anyways, long story short. By the third year, I figured out that we needed to go out of state. And all he had was a seed stock. Yeah. And Justin would call people. And he got hooked up with uh, Cedar Ridge Farms in Illinois and Dave Kilmer and Warren Beeler. He went to Warren Beeler's when he was 15 and stayed there for three weeks and learned how to collect boars and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So, so your son was way in on the show pigs. like Way in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it- so we progressed from almost getting sifted, which Mendez would have been he should have sifted us. Yeah. He just didn't have enough backbone to do that. And he was nicer to the kid. I mean, he should yeah. have said, where's your dad? I want to talk to this him. dumb bastard and say, where did you buy these pigs? And I, you know, mm-hmm. I got out, I don't know, 11 years later or whatever it was. I mean, guy in Redding was still raising and he wasn't raising. There wasn't like show pigs, like at your age when you've grown up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of guys everywhere, little bitty guys that are very good. There weren't, there wasn't that. Yeah. There were four people in California. And that was it. Yeah. So your son was way in on the, on the show pigs, traveling across the country and, and getting close with these guys. And, and you guys are still selling firewood and still doing that as a family business at the same time? That's how I made a living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you, as Bob May, be like, okay, let's try and make some money off this livestock stuff. Like maybe let's start raising some or trading some or, or hauling some. Right in there. Well, we started raising some pigs mm-hmm. because we'd keep the gill. So, I mean, we figured out pretty rapidly. You know, I progressed this pretty rapidly to where he was having, he was very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah. And so we started raising some and then we would go back, we'd go back east like we'd come to Duncan mm-hmm. and our ag teachers would say, hey, could you get us some pigs? And we wouldn't have enough. So way back then, so 30 years ago, I would buy some extra pigs and I set up several times to buy trailers in Medill, Oklahoma and then fill them up with animals for my ag teacher. We had a very good ag teacher in Red Bluff, and then Bob Vieira, who was a very famous ag teacher in Orland, mm-hmm. um, he, he got to know us, and he'd come and check on Justin. So I just started, I started slowly buying and selling animals. That's what I do. It just turned into, as time went by, I still buy around 16 to 1,800 animals a year for people on the West Coast. And when we d- designed so 
if you fast forward through that, Justin went to school. He was wilder than shit and didn't go to school very long, and, and uh, it's fine. Um, Candy came to me when she was 11 and said, I don't want to be, you know, Justin May's sister because mm-hmm. everybody would say, hey, you're Justin May's sister. So we started showing sheep. So that's just a side story. And she was, we were successful. Mm-hmm. I was driven. They were driven. They liked working. We lived, we lived in the country. And so you go past that and it just progressed to where I was making three or four trips a year and getting 80 to 100 pigs and then 150 pigs. And in 2000, I bought a trailer from uh, Brent Bolin at High Point. It was a double-deck 24-footer, and pretty soon that was full. Started a website, little tiny line on the bottom that said transportation also available. Mm-hmm. And now here we are today. Wow. Slowly as we did this, the show pig, you know, I probably hauled the very first online pig, I would say, yeah. in America. What year, what year was that, would that be, you think? Yeah, 2000, mm-hmm. 2001. But I'd only make four or five trips a year. And from there, it just progressed. So, um but the same, you know, you've, you've remained behind the wheel the whole time, no matter what you're doing. It it's gotten like. more and more. I mean, I would tell you in 2000 or 2001, I made five trips. Mm-hmm. Nick Gonzalez, who raises pigs very successfully, he'd go with me back then. Mm-hmm. Then Adam would make a few trips from NLG. Well, it just progressed. I mean, last year, so it progressed. It just progressed. The, tr- the transportation progressed. I never hauled cattle. I only had a double decker. I did. never undecked it. Well... Then I bought a 28-foot trailer that could undeck. I'd haul a few cattle. Lane Rogers, who everybody knows, sent some college kids out here and got himself a $10,000 DOT ticket. Mm-hmm. So he called me and said, you have to haul my cattle. So um, I started hauling a few more cattle. It just progressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, bought, I bought the trailers that I have now, which are, you know, I designed and they're custom made, and I have two of them. And last year, like, the year before last, I think we probably made 27 trips wow. from the West Coast out here. We moved to Oklahoma 11 years ago, so mm-hmm. then it really progressed from there because she's here. We've set this up where we can hold animals and then out to Indianapolis. And mm-hmm. last year, total, and I have a guy that I started working with when he was 21 I was 19. Mm-hmm. We still talk every day, Mike Collins. He makes trips. Adam works for me and makes trips. Rex, since the teaching went to hell with the COVID. Mm-hmm. He worked for me full time. But last year we made 36 trips. Like right now, today, Rex is in Indianapolis. He'll be back here Monday morning. That'll be the 21st trip. And the cattle, so we'll make 35 this year. Wow. Yeah. So it's the same route every time when nope. you go to California? Or? Nope. About every four or five weeks, I'll do the same thing. Typically, I never go east on I-80. Mm-hmm. I come here, I go up there, but about every four to five weeks I go clear crossed on 80 mm-hmm. or I'll go clear to Cheyenne zigzag back to here and then go out because there's so much stuff in New Mexico, Arizona, and then California. That way I hit Bakersfield, Barstow Bakersfield all the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't say necessarily, I'd say that 50% of the stuff goes with me to California, but lots of, lots of stuff in the States between Indianapolis and California mm-hmm. now. So for me, it seems like like timing wise, I mean, you said you hauled the first online sale pig and, and right as all those online sales started picking up, the the need for a guy to drive livestock across the country, you know, jumped, escalated. escalated quite a bit. Oh, yeah. So would you say like 
you know, it seems like you've been here since the conception of, you know, the entire stock show thing becoming, you know, viral, I guess, and, and really popular these last few years. Do you think without that need of, of a hauler, you still would be in the livestock deal or it was just because they needed a guy to I'd haul livestock? I'd still be buying and selling animals. I mean, even last year with COVID shutting us down, you know, in late April, I sold 1,680 animals. Mm -hmm. I bought, I bought, brokered 1,680. The year before I brokered 2,110. Mm-hmm. I'm letting that kind of go um, as, so a side note to how this has escalated, not just show stock, but sometime in this journey of my tiny little transportation also available. Let's remember mm -hmm. that's just a little line. Well, then the dairy goat women found me and oh, no. the dairy goat women are more passionate about their animals than any of us, mm -hmm. any of us. They love their animals. They knit ear muffins for their animals that I've hauled. I have these photos to prove it. We have to do seances and prayer sessions when we load them. So I've learned a lot and I do a lot of custom full loads. Um, I hauled a lady from, from east of Portland to West Virginia and just a short version of what she had. She had three rescue horses, two llamas, a 1,600-pound Jersey steer was a pet. These are all pets. Oh, my God. Five pot-bellied pigs, eight or ten rabbits, six cats, all in giant individual crates, dog crates, with laminated pictures of them and what to feed them. What I miss? Rabbits, chickens, ducks, two turtles. And she brought those in a tote, which people will understand like a tote you put clothes mm -hmm. in. Two turtles, about six inches around, three quarters full of water. And she wanted me to drive them from Portland to West Virginia. I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm just going to give them She goes, they got to live in water. So I drove about a quarter of a mile, and I dumped all the water out because if we'd have drove that 2,400 miles, it would have been turtle soup, mm -hmm. not turtles. <laughs> <laughs> On her, very nice lady, she calls me two months ago, three months ago, and says, I hate West Virginia. We're moving to Virginia. She tells me the towns are five hours apart. I said, well, Mandy, it's going to be like expensive for me to come from Indianapolis just to move you. I said, I can find, she goes, I want you to move us. She did a great job. So I gave her a price, which is, I don't, the same price anybody gets, but it's obnoxious mm -hmm. if it's not on my route, because it's $4 a mile for every loaded mile. And you can hire a pod. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can hire a cattle truck, a 53 footer for what you're getting me for. And so we, last month, we went out to West Virginia, and um, I, I have a thought process for all the, the younger people. We, you believe, if you talk to your phone about carrot cakes, you'll start getting ads mm -hmm. totally. in your emails for carrot cakes. My phone figured out that I was going to Virginia and West Virginia, and I end up, it was the best load I've ever made from California back to California in terms of money. Because I always tell people I only go to Indianapolis. I'm sorry. That's the furthest I can go always. Mm -hmm. But West Virginia, Pennsylvania, all the way around, people called. So I just kept gathering stuff up. And when I got to her house and unloaded, I, I loaded up almost $6,000 worth of stuff to come back to Indianapolis. Oh, my God. So There's no one out there that does that, I guess. There's no, there's no one. Yeah. Consistently. I, I, here's the deal. I turned 65, so I don't... I do this job correctly. Mm -hmm. I do it on time. There's nobody that does it like me. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not as friendly as some of them, but I'm precise and on time. Mm -hmm. So, 
we could ask a lot of people. Yeah. I work on making 10% of the people every day mad at me. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. On purpose? On purpose. Do you ever yeah. get a little bit higher than that, maybe? Oh, uh, there's some <laughs> days that it's way on up there, yes. So I wrote down on here, Bob, Bob, have you ever had anyone tell you that you're an asshole? I just did. <laughs> my wife just did. Every day. I don't mean that I want them a little mad. I want them to go, fuck, wow, you are a prick. Yeah. That's my goal. People will pull in here and say that. He's not always the easiest person to get along with, but he's the best person that we've ever had all our lives, Bob. Mm-hmm. So I've, I don't know if you remember me, but I've known you since I was 12. Oh, yeah. Just getting stuff hauled. And, and when I moved to college, um, I still had all my goats out in California at my mom's place. And for the first couple of years of college, I would do this thing where I would go buy some does here and there and send them to my mom. And she wouldn't find out until Bob May was two hours from the Sacramento airport. Um, but every time she went, I was like, God, like, I know this guy deals with so many 4-H moms every day. Like, I was like, mom, like you have to make him cookies or bring him cookies. So I think every time she met you, she gave you a bag of chocolate chip cookies. I was like, just make, just, just so this guy doesn't like. And she knew (laughs) you were the one that slacked on her, but I always update people the day before. Mm -hmm. No, I knew you were coming. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So yes, no, your mom. I, one of my things I'll sell, if I have a good conversation with somebody Mm -hmm. and mostly goat people, Mm -hmm. um, pig people are just kind of cut and dried. I mean, if you say, Hey man, you need to be at Cheyenne at the flying J at, uh, three 40 AM. Perfect. We'll be there. And I'll get a text from them hours before we're here because they know that's close. But if I say like the full blood people, especially, Mm -hmm. and I like them all, but I will say, listen, the price is five hundred for a dough, or it's two fifty. You bring oatmeal cookies, mm-hmm. and without fail, they'll bring oatmeal cookies. <laughs> I would. Because I'm like only cheaper... ever charging five. I'm only charging two fifty for yeah. a mature dough, anyways. But so, but yeah, I'm friendly with the people that don't continually ask me questions. Yeah, I feel like you've got a someone who for, first meeting you. It might be a little like rough around the edges, trying to just get used to talking to Bob May. But I think once you get it down. Just realize, hey, just don't piss this guy off. Like, well, it's just I'm, uh, it's just cut and dried, precise. Yeah. And I, I send text messages out, and I'll even look at them once I send them. I think, God, I'm, I'm, I wrote this out for a third grader, mm-hmm. and then it'll go to Susie, mm-hmm. and I, and I don't know who Susie is, and she'll text back. So, I'm going to be in Indianapolis by 1 p.m. on Monday afternoon. I will confirm you with you that on Monday morning, and I will be there at, and I've got a a detailed thing of where to come at Plainfield. That text will go to Susie, and I will get a text back. So you mean you will be there on Monday, October 1st? Yes, you dumbass. Now, I don't (laughs) text that, but that's how my brain starts functioning. It's like, so Susie, who tells you to eat at night? Does somebody (laughs) remind you? Because I do send them like I'm almost embarrassed and... Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody. I mean, Heimer. Mm -hmm. I'll say, hey, Jesse, I'm going to be in Mount Pleasant approximately next week, Wednesday, uh, 1 p.m., but I'll update you. Perfect. Uh, He'll he'll text back, perfect. So it's that simple to over and over. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had a guy that (laughs) I just took a mature doe to from the West Coast, uh, mature you. Mm -hmm. Um, Nice guy. He has to text every day. Mm Mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point where I don't even get mad about it. It's like, his name's Chris. It's like, Chris, 
son of a bitch, man. You don't have to text every day. <laughs> I saw this when you know when you comment on Facebook posts or whatever the, your people you're friends with, you'll see what they said, and I, I can't remember what the meme was, but it was a meme about someone's wife or mom giving them a stroke and Bob May comments I have about 104H moms that try to do this to me on a daily basis <laughs> this is the this is the life I created though so I'm not yeah. mad about it and and I I uh I charge for it yeah so I charge for my personality mm-hmm. but I get done what I tell them and at the end of the day so Adam Mendoza who everybody knows that's going to listen to this podcast his kiss ass did a trip for me last time. I got 13 positive comments from customers. Your guys are so polite. Well, I never get any. <laughs> At best, I get a thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about your crew. You've got quite a, an array of guys with having to go different directions every single day and, and pick up different stuff. What, how many guys do you have working for you, and, and what do they have to Well, guys that drive my trucks are Mike, who I've worked with forever, Mike mm-hmm. Collins. Rex and Adam, those are the guys that I'll send because they have, they're intelligent and they have the ability. And I've got some good young guys, yeah. you know, that work for me. That um, Isaac Lewis worked for me for a year after he was done at Sullivan's, and then he got a cushy feed job mm-hmm. so he can sit in his truck and mm-hmm. eat donuts and, mm-hmm. you know, bullshit people. But I think he did that before. <laughs> he did. That's his life. But he's good at it. Yeah. He's good at it. I mean, I get – but, yeah, and then I've got some young guys that – that you know just jump in and go because mm-hmm. we need we just need i need like when i leave california i need somebody to drive for six hours mm-hmm. that's all i need um i used to drive here every time by myself and then fly somebody to go back with me mm-hmm. but we'll deliver this trip once we left california we'll deliver uh 190 to 210 animals wow on the whole loop so you need you need to jump out at a stop, and you need to, I need to get out and say, okay, get this one, get this one, get this one, and, and get get going. Yeah. Yeah. What are those hours like for, for a driver or for, your, for yourself when you have 30 hours of road, you know, that you have to be across in the next day? How, how many hours are you behind the wheel? How, many, how often do you sleep, and, and you guys trade out pretty often? You said six hours. Is no, that no, kind no. of your limit? No, like I left Red Bluff what, four days ago at five in the morning mm-hmm. and I drove till 2.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. and then they drove for seven hours and I sleep when the phone's going to be off, mm-hmm. which is enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I can sleep for five or six hours, roads are terrible. We're not going to get into that discussion because they obviously need to hire me to run the DOT, the <laughs> Department of Transportation, because I'd be firing fuckers that weren't building the roads correctly. Mm-hmm. Which state has the worst roads? Arizona. Arizona? Which, By far. Which one has the best? Texas. Texas. Texas and Kansas. Tra- yeah. I got you. What's your least favorite state to drive through? Arizona. Same. I feel like the cops there are just a little different than the, the cops the in cops other are, The cops in other the, the worst cops are New Mexico. New Mexico? Yes. They're just, they're, they're all Indians and they have a grudge against white people. Mm-hmm. They call us Venezuelas. Venezuelas? Venezuelas. Venezuelas. That's what the Navajos call white people, and that's the same as a derogatory term. Really? Like, you shitty white cracker. <laughs> that's what they call you. Now, oh. I get along with them. They're some of my favorite customers are literally in New Mexico. Yeah. They're always on time. They're, they're you know, common working people, so they buy animals. They always, they're always on time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard so new, hauling livestock in New Mexico can be a little different than other states, right? Aren't they a little stricter about what goes across state lines or what comes through their state or Oh yeah. 
So if you get pulled over with a trailer full of livestock, is that kind of a pain in the ass? And well, no, because state? I've got, I mean, you, you know, you, you can't see this on a podcast, but I mean, yeah. I go like this mm-hmm. and they go, oh, you've got papers. <laughs> now, some of those are outdated. Yeah. But, <laughs> I got yeah. papers. <laughs> I got to know there's five inspectors in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I got to know one of them and he raises goats and I helped him make his herd better. Mm-hmm. And he's the head guy. So You're I pretty much got with. a pass in New Mexico. Perfect. Yep. So what do you, so I mean, even California, I, I don't know how the Eastern and, and Northern states are, but it seems like California, you ain't getting in or out without papers or at least in. Well, no, they, you can't drive in. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's ways around every one of those, but I mean, you got to take 44 miles of dirt roads and yeah. out through the cactus. But I fill the papers out prior to going. Mm-hmm. I fill out a, a, a load sheet. Yeah. And so they're used to me. Um, Donner must be the training center mm-hmm. they gotta look at every every i mean you're just there so you're so pissed off needles i, I know them all mm-hmm. i mean i and they're they'll look they'll stamp my papers and they don't but a lot of times they'll just stamp one or two mm-hmm. um and then those are reusable and so it, it's not it's not bad but i mean i understand florida's like next to impossible there's one guy i work with from the east coast that i like the best and there's a few of them that do it, but it's Andrew Israel comes out of Florida. Mm-hmm. So he makes a loop through the Carolinas and can get stuff to there, and he's pretty efficient. Yeah. And there's other ones. There's lots of haulers now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even like, I kind of get mad sometimes when someone says you're a hauler or a transporter. You're, like, you're the hauler. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So. So I don't know how much livestock come from other countries into America, but have you ever dealt with transporting stuff in from South America or, or Canada, or how often does that happen, or and how does it I've, work? I've met people at the border in Canada um, to give them. I can't get out of the country. You know that, right? Mm-mm. Well, the rest of my story, my backstory was I was a little bit of an outlaw. Mm-hmm. So they call it a felony. <laughs> now, it can be gone, but I just haven't bothered because I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I grew pot when it was worth money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with Canada... You meet them at the border. They're pretty cool. I've sent animals to Bermuda, and I've sent quite a few to Hawaii. So you go to LAX, and they've got a, a holding center there. And then I've hauled lots of purebred dapple goats mm-hmm. to a holding facility that's just down below Barstow. Really? Yeah. And then they quarantine them and ship them out of LAX. They build. I've hauled horses down there. I've hauled cattle down there to LAX. Wow. I mean, it's a facility off. It's you don't go to LAX, mm-hmm. but it's it's a facility just south of it, and they've got holding pens. And um, I hauled. Uh, I had a lady that trains, and I, I I had a lady named Sue who trains the Aflac ducks. There's more than one. There's, There's twenty-four Aflac ducks. She trains them. You and I don't know if you're old enough to remember the movie. Uh, uh, seven days and six nights Mm-mm. with Harrison for, uh, sorry, uh, shit. I'm going to say it. Harrison might be Harrison Ford. Great movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, they're abandoned in Hawaii and there's a, a wild boar scene, but it's a Duroc boar and they forgot that they shouldn't have ear notches in the Duroc boar, but she trained that boar. So I got, she sent me some videos of it and really nice lady. So she trains movie animals. She calls me and she says, I need three Yorkshire pigs and they don't have them in Hawaii. So, okay. So I said, what do you want? And she goes, 
Well, I'd like them to not have notches because I, when I met her before, I said, listen, that was a cool scene. Obviously, it's not a wild boar. 99% of the people that watch the movie don't know that. Mm -hmm. But I said, those notches in their ears, they're not born with those. Those are to identify them. Really? She's, she's uh, from Australia, so she has a cool accent. But mm -hmm. anyways, long story short, I meet her with the, I find some Yorkshire from a commercial guy. And they're 100 pounders. That's what she wanted. No, no ear notches. And I get there. And they've got these crates built that are 20. She had them built. They're 24 inches by 5 feet by 6 feet. And they have a half-inch plexiglass floor with holes drilled in them. And then a tray underneath to clean them for these pigs. Mm -hmm. I mean, all three of these pigs would have comfortably fit. These crates, when I met her, she took them to Hawaii in these crates. She came back. Seven or eight months later, met me with the pigs. They were bigger. She had them all on, on leashes. Really? Mm-hmm. And she said, you want these crates? I said, well, they were like obnoxiously built. Mm -hmm. Like, like over, the top. over the top built. Mm -hmm. I mean, over, way over the top built. And I said, well, I'll take one of them. She said, well, I'm going to leave them here. I said, I'll take them all. And I said, but... What do you want for them? She goes, I don't want anything for them. I, you know, it was for the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, they cost her 2800 bucks for each one to get made. And, and I probably would have charged her more. It was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So I took them back to Red Bluff, where I still have a place in Barnes, and I've got a full-time employee there now, even though we moved. I'm back there all the time, and I, somebody would come along, and they'd need something. and say, hey, I got a crate for you. <laughs> I mean, no, they, were, they were 350 pounds, half-inch plexiglass. I don't yeah. even know what that Dinosaur cost for 24 cages. by 6 foot. Yeah. All perfectly drilled. It was bizarre. What movie What do you think she was filming? Did she ever tell you? For the Yorks? Yeah. I do not know. I do know that the, the Duroc boar was in 6 days and 7 nights. Or 7 days and 6 nights. Mm -hmm. It was Harrison Ford is his name. He's mm -hmm. a famous actor. Yeah, from Star Wars? Yes, from Star Wars. Indiana Jones? Yes. So let's, uh, we can, can we dive into the, your, your felony a little bit? Dive into it? Yeah. Talk about it. Marijuana used to be worth a lot of money. What year? How long ago was it? Oh, a long time ago. Um, maybe 23 years. 23 years ago. And, 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 and as, we, as we slowly talk about that, um, indoor gardening now is just a thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. I was one of the ones that helped develop it. Yeah. And so I grew indoors and mm -hmm. outdoors. And just as a little side gig, but, mm -hmm. you know. Is that the same time you guys were doing the wood, like firewood and, oh, yeah. and the logging and stuff? Mm -hmm. I got you. Yeah. Sweet. And some kid turned me in. Little bastard. Yeah. He got... Most guy... Here's the deal. You want my philosophy on younger people? Mm-hmm. We used to go down to Cottonwood, California, which is about 16 miles from where I grew up, but it's Enterprise High, Anderson High, Cottonwood, mm -hmm. and they had a Grange, and once a month they had a dance. And once a month when you went down there, you knew you were going to fist fight the Anderson and Cottonwood boys, and you would win, lose, or draw, bloody, muddy, drunk. I'm not going back. It's fucking stupid. Why do we do this? Three weeks later, fuck it, we're going. <laughs> Young guys now, I can tell right when I talk to somebody that's 15 to 40, if they've ever been in a fist fight, just by the way they act. If they mm -hmm. have never been in a fist fight, they act like absolute pussies. 
if they have been, then they know that it could potentially happen again. Mm-hmm. So, that, and that is absolutely my philosophy. I think that I finished my career beating up young people. Really? It'd be good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get in a fist fight? Third grade, one time. It was well, a that semi count. Did you get hit? No, he got hit. Okay, but well, people say, "Were you a good fist fighter?" I said, "Well, did you win?" That's the, did you win? No, because they hit me and it fucking hurt. <laughs> Nobody won. Nobody I wins. I don't, a I don't fist know if fight. I could survive a fist fight today. I don't. I just can't imagine being punched in the face and then having to stay awake or something like that. Keep fighting. <laughs> that's what I'd be. Hit him first. Of. That's that's what I hear. You just got to be the first one and knock him down and. Yeah, if you got to hit somebody, hit them right in the nose as hard as you can. It's over. It's over. I mean, if their arms are longer than yours, you're fucked. But <laughs> hope you run fast. <laughs> don't run. You can't fucking run. That's what I'm just saying. I'd say you need to go to a bar in Texas with some, find some guys with no sleeves on their t-shirt, mm-hmm. and they wear those square-toed boots mm-hmm. outside their pants. And their heels are completely wore over, and chew comes down their face. Go to a bar with them. You trying to get killed? Well, they'll. <laughs> they'll, they'll <laughs> <laughs> we used to kind of look forward to it. I mean, looking back, it's like it's fucking stupid. A whole lot of them are still my friends. Yeah. But you fought over a teenage girl, a high school girl. You just fought. Yeah. You just get drunk. Mm-hmm. Go to a bar and get drunk. You'll feel bigger than you are. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody does. You ever gotten a fist fight? Have I? Yeah. 200? 200. Did you win? I, I never won. Never won. <laughs> no, matter, no matter if I got them down and was kicking their ribs in, I still had blood coming out of me. You don't win. Yeah. You don't win a fist fight. Yep. You better than the guy. Mm-hmm. That's the best you can do. You can best somebody. We fought all the time. You are supposed to when I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. Now people just, teenage boys, just sit there and type back and forth and... Talk smack they, that way, I they guess. They talk back and forth, and then when they actually see each other, they pee down their legs. Mm-hmm. It's like two yes. dogs on the other side of a fence. Yes, that's how it is. I'm sorry, but now I mean I meet guys. I meet guys that are your age, younger, older. I just know that they have just mm-hmm. by their nature. I mean, at least you were in a fight in the third grade that almost qualified. Yeah, you. yeah. I don't think we don't have to count it. And and I, okay, well we could count it, but it wasn't a girl, was it? No. Okay. No, well, then it sort of counts. It was it was the other kid in the class named Jake. <laughs> Good enough for you to There can fight. only be one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, perfect. Um, maybe that's kind of a, cl- a closing question. I mean, we talked about it earlier, but you've you've been in this industry since its conception, and 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 just kind of through all the the bumps and bruises. Where has it changed the most for you? And and how do you keep up and and and, and stay in the middle of it? through all the different changes and trends and changed it for me personally. Yeah. I do paperwork about five days a week to stay organized Mm -hmm. and I hate it. (laughs) And what I tell people, they say, what are you doing? I say, I'm picking out what color panties I'm going to wear underneath my skirt because I'm going to be sitting at a desk all day. You can ask anybody that knows me closely. They've heard this. Mm -hmm. And when I was a young guy, my wife did my books. And I wasn't some macho guy. I had five sisters growing up. So I was never a, I did not ever put my arm around my wife when it was fucking in August and, she, and I was sweating. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, oh, you're my possession. But I used to, you know, she'd say, well, I've been doing paperwork all day. And I'd say, God damn. Well, now I understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, you asked me, I got up this morning at 6.30. I hurried up and finished because you told me you were coming. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly caught up for now. Mm-hmm. But 
So how, that's what's changed. I've met a lot of people. Um, I've got 2,800 people in my contact list. 120 of them say something about asshole or dumbass. <laughs> Some of them say very nice lady. They all have a code. Yeah. Everybody has a code. I mean, all you got is Jake Richardson. Yeah. So you're good. Okay, good. Yeah. I don't know if that was good or bad. No, no, you're good. You're way good. You do a good job. What I can't stand is if I, what I cannot stand is if somebody texts me a question, I respond. I, I never say anything about if you're from Pennsylvania and I'm in California. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know. So I get a text at, you know, 3.30 in the morning. Well, it's 6.30 there. So I don't, that does not make me mad. When I go to Indianapolis, because I do a lot on the West Coast, I stay up till 11.30, and then I shut my phone off. Mm. No matter how tired I'm in, because there's going to be people contacting me, and if I don't respond to them, I got to the next day. Yeah. And, and I'm, I, I'm very happy and fortunate that that many people, you know, have confidence in me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of them are looking at their phone and going, God damn it, I hate to text this guy. <laughs> but they shaking. have to. <laughs> The good part about Bob May Livestock, I'm the only guy that does it with precision mm-hmm. from Indianapolis to California. Mm-hmm. There's some other guys that work at it. I like them, mm-hmm. but they're not, you know, you know. Yeah. You know. For Everybody sure. that's listening to this knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'd like to use somebody else, a lot of them. But they can't. There's guys in the goat business that would like to because I've jumped their asses before. And told them what dumb son of a bitches they are. But it always comes back. And they go, God damn it, I got to call this fucker. <laughs> it always comes back. It's got to, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of like having a dog and coming home at the end of the day. And they're all excited to see you. It's, it's waking up every day and being, there's 2,500 people on my phone who are probably going to need me today or tomorrow or, or the next day. I enjoy it. I mean, I've yeah. always been high energy. I mean, you know, you know, you asked what I did. I mean, I, I ran a crew. I ran a chainsaw for 26 years. I loved doing that. It was mm-hmm. one of my favorite things I did. I loved hauling hay. Mm-hmm. When I was a youngster in my 20s, I thought, I'm do this. I mean, I was good at it. I was a big kid. I weighed 280 pounds. I made really good money, and I could hound hunt all winter. And we always cut firewood, but more just a couple hundred cords in a winter. Yeah. Um, and, I, I, and then this machine, I literally, we were up in Aden, California, which is far northeastern California, the mountain hay. And here comes this funny-looking fucking red-and-white contraption. And it was a Freeman Harrow bed. And he pulls into the field next to us. And when you were a youngster at that age, I mean, we'd, you'd be hauling hay on a truck. I'd be hauling hay. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing it all day long, you're doing six loads a day, you know, you, you trade off. Or two guys load and one guy drives. It was usually For us, we usually had five guys, mm-hmm. two trucks, three trucks. Well, we'd be, say, hey, I'll do this faster than you. You know, and I could unload a truck, and I could load a truck in about 20 minutes, 140 bells. I could mm-hmm. unload them in 16 to 17 minutes. Well, you look back on it and say, well, so you were smart enough to ruin your back in your 20s. And I've been fortunate, but mm-hmm. so it was fun. It was a good job. And then I got to hound hunt, and I, and I enjoyed hound hunting. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the dogs. So, and the laws, the laws were, the laws on the hounds were worse than the marijuana laws back then. Really? Yeah. I mean, you get caught out of season catching a lion, killing it, you're going to prison. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. a lion, yeah. Yeah. And there's no reason for it because there's so many lions, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There's more lions in California than there are squirrels. People just don't know it because they're cats. Yeah. Everybody that's been in the brush or in the woods or in a park in California has been watched by a mountain lion, every single person. Because that's what they do. They just lay there for hours and wait and look. and Yeah. There's wolves now too, right? 
A few. Even in your area. Yeah. Towards Red Bluff, right? One of them, the, the one that they tracked that was so famous came into Lassen County, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and the fucking Department of Fish and Game says no, but they're planting them. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he has three fucking, uh, what, do they, what do they call a pack? There's three packs. Mm-hmm. Well, there's one wolf. How the fuck did he make the second one? Oh, you guys hauled it in. Mm-hmm. Cattlemen put up with it. They've got trail cams everywhere that the that wolves are. But a lot of those guys have figured out that you cover your license plate, cover your face, so the wolves are getting thinner again. Because mm-hmm. they killed cattle up, up like by Lassen. Guys that I know personally my whole life that raise cattle have lost lots of young cattle mm-hmm. to the wolves. But they're not losing as many anymore. Now, I don't know what happened to the wolves. But I'm saying they extinguished. Mm-hmm. Fucking stupid. It's fucking stupid for them to reintroduce those cocksuckers. And he didn't walk from fucking Canada, mm-hmm. his happy ass to California R2-D2 or whatever the fuck they called him. You know, they had a wolf thing and a whole fucking group putting in money and mm-hmm. a GoFundMe account. Fuck that wolf. You know? Mm-hmm. They're, They're bringing in Alaskan wolves too, which are like double the size of what was indigenous to California, well, gray, I guess. Well, gray wolves. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they weren't, you're exactly right. They weren't the original wolves in California. Mm-hmm. It was a red wolf. Mm-hmm. The gray wolves are the big ones, 110 to 140 pounds. You can take down a cow. Yes, yeah. and they do. Yeah. They do. I mean, I've, my friends have pictures and videos. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and everybody was really afraid. You know, you, you, you kind of, the, the fish and game had a deal where, where you would, they would compensate you for your cattle loss. Well, how about you don't lose them? What mm-hmm. about that? So, yeah. That's a whole long other subject of what we're doing in America right now. Um, my hope in life before I die is that we run short of food and all the urban areas that have voted in these fucking fools are going to implode. Because the second day their kids are hungry, they're going to just be talking to each other. The fourth day, I'm bigger than you and I'm going to come and take your kids' food, Jake. And on the seventh day, we're killing each other. Mm. So if we could simply stop the food chain for 10 days, a place like Chicago that's got 13 million people, there'll be like fucking 300,000 left. They'll all kill each other. They really will. Because mm-hmm. you won't. I won't. I'll eat my goddamn dog. Mm-hmm. I got I to gotta go back there. I'm going to go eat. You got a fat goat. I mean, mm-hmm. exactly. I got goats. But we'll live. The country people will live. But seriously, you think about and give some thought to the urban area. They're fucked. Mm-hmm. They don't know where food comes from. Totally. So when they run out, the biggest, the strongest are going to take it from the weakest, and then pretty soon, there's going to be, so. That's how important our food source is. That's how important can, our food source is. You can have anarchy and just If the trucks would stop driving for five days, this, they, they claim we have 380 plus million people, there would be 180 million, I believe, in 10 days. I don't think it would take six months. Wow. Fuck it. In the urban areas, they'd be eating each other in 10 days. Because the food, the food supply in the urban area, I'm talking the major urban areas, mm-hmm. the L.A. Basin. When they're on top of each other and stuff, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Atlanta, Georgia is huge. All those places that they don't know what else. They don't, they don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, they would figure out to eat their dogs and cats, but they ain't got very many. Yeah. You know, the Mongs would survive in the urban areas. Mm-hmm. So. Good talk. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, you're welcome.